racing. Mm. <laughs> Who wants to kick it off? It is uh, episode 28 of the Barry Bullock Hour. Welcome. We are broadcasting live. Broadcasting live. Recording live. On location. <laughs> from Moondog World in Preston. Very and exciting. It is very exciting. I We've sort of been... Uh, proposing a trip out here for quite a while and it's good to finally be here it's I think I, I know you guys were, were looking for a, for a posse to oh. hole up in so you didn't get the chance to take it all in but it's had a bit of a wander around it's quite a sight it's a very nice place to uh, yeah to paint the picture it's a large large complex the much hyped lagoon and fountain and plants are outside and the three of us have found the darkest corner of the place uh, inside a shipping container uh, under a stairwell. Yep. Yeah, very difficult to get a table, very difficult to get a seat, very popular here, Sunday afternoon, Sunday lunchtime, here at Moondog World in Preston. Yeah. I, I was the first to arrive, and I um, first thing I noticed was the extent to which there are a lot of cars and bicycles, mm-hmm. of which was the mode of transport that I used to get here parked outside and I thought gee the place is going to be absolutely packed inside yeah but then I saw that there was a um, a sandwich board that said pop up flower uh, pop up plant sale mm. and then I started to notice that all the people that were going in and out of the alleyway next to Moondog World were all coming out with plants mm. as it turns out the plant sale is actually here inside the brewery <laughs> Moondog World what I thought was odd though was the amount of people that were just walking out with one plant. Why, why is that on? Well, why would you go to all the effort to go out to a plant sale? Yeah. A pop-up plant sale. Yeah. And then only walk away with one plant. I, I, if you've made the effort to go out, I would have thought you'd be loading up with as many decent plants as you can. I don't think they've necessarily... I don't think they've necessarily... Uh, come out here specifically for the plant sale. I, I, I don't think know that's people were making a beeline for plants. I think people. I think that's a misnomer. I don't think it's. Ge- I don't think it's genuinely a plant sale. I think it's. It's probably a little side hustle that Moondog World's got going on. You think people have come for a beer? I think so. A burger. It's good. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Yeah. It's a table service here at Moondog Press, and what you heard there was our uh, waiter, whose name I didn't catch, which is unusual and making me feel. For some reason, faintly uncomfortable. I don't know okay. why. Well, don't faint. That would be a disaster. Wouldn't be a disaster. I'm sure you two um, could carry on without me. She was just asking how the beer was that she recommended that we are currently drinking. Yep. Um, and it is excellent. It is the uh, Tigers IPA Kiwi Hopped IPA here at Moondog World. Very nice. Yep. Not sure what the Kiwi Hops are. I probably should find that out. It's definitely I'm, not Kiwi. I'm guessing fruit. maybe a Mochuaka, maybe a Ruwaka. Mm. Yeah, two classic hops named after the towns they come from. Towns that I was in a couple of months ago. Mm. I enjoyed seeing the hop farms while I was out there. Um, but that is part of Moondog's got a series of beers that are named after um, people's dogs. Oh, really? <laughs> in the name. And so, yeah, so this, this beer is named after Tiger, who's a dog. One of your favourite animals, Kieran. The, and the details about what sort of dog tiger is or what sort of hops that the, the kiwi hops are, I don't yet have access to because we are recording on location, which means my phone currently has a giant thumping microphone stuck in the top of it, and I'm on flight mode. <laughs> so that I don't ruin the recording with static like we did a couple of months ago when we tried to record um, in St Kilda at the Tap House. One of our three lost episodes... <laughs> So we're up, we've, we've recorded, this is 28, if it goes, if it goes episodes. well, we've, and we've managed to lose um, three of those episodes. <laughs> Amazing. So, so poor from us. Yeah. Yeah, the Barry Bullockheads are out there, and they're looking for bootlegs. Somebody at an adjacent table may have been <laughs> picking this up secretly, and Can you imagine uh, maybe that? that may be released. It'd be very entertaining. A, I'm happy to release the recording of, of the, uh, the Tap House episode. <laughs> It's for the right buyer, for the right price. For the you, just, the you just have to put yeah. up with a hideous static hiss. Yeah, like a, a, a not so much a hiss, more of a rumple. Can you filter that out? Did you? I, I presume you probably had. An I attempt. tried. It's no. It's not no. Not a thing. The only way I could cut it out. Yeah. Which means every ten seconds the conversation would skip forward half a second, <laughs> slightly uncomfortably. That'd be. So we'd be talking about something else. It's um Sunday. Does that mean you made donuts this morning? 
Uh, this morning I actually did not make donuts. I have dough sitting in my fridge, and as soon as I get back to the kitchen, I'm gonna dive into it. I'm thinking donuts something Halloween. Donuts, yeah. Maybe donuts yeah, and Halloween's like pumpkins. Coming up. Yeah, like a yeah, pumpkin yeah. glaze kind of thing. I'm thinking about it, and I don't know if I'm gonna get the pumpkin flavor. But if they turn out orange, yeah. maybe I like put a little face on them. I feel like the mind would kind of fill in the gap of the missing pumpkin flavor, as long as it looked like a jack o' lantern. It's very artistic. Yeah, what, is, what, what is the deal with Americans' obsession with oh. pumpkin as a dessert? Because let's be honest, pumpkin is a admittedly slightly sweet, but it's still a savory vegetable yeah and you can you can you, you tend to mimic in America pumpkin spice so things don't really fl- taste like pumpkin they taste like cinnamon and all the other spices yeah. let's be honest do you really want do you really want beer that tastes like pumpkin the answer is of course not <laughs> I will so okay. pumpkin spice on that topic in my formative beer drinking days, I was drinking Miller Lite, I was drinking my PBRs back in small town Wisconsin. At uni, there was one bar in town that was kind of a nice high-end bar, it was in an old firehouse, and I picked the highest ABV thing off the menu, <laughs> and it was a pumpkin sour, and that kicked me off on my sour career, I love sours, it kind of opened my eyes to the wider beer world. You had a voice and sour to stop before we uh, recorded. That's exactly it. So did it taste like a pumpkin? Did it taste like a squash? No. But it did have that kind of autumnal fall spice mix that you get from the uh, pumpkin spice things. And I don't know. It's an odd, it's an odd choice for a pie. Yeah. Especially a, a sweet pie. It does get a lot of sweetness to it. I, I love pumpkin pie. I think pumpkin you know, pie is magnificent. I've had it once and I enjoyed it, but I still think it's an odd choice for a sweet pie. That's fair. Surely you've just got to look at the experiential evidence. We've all had pumpkin pie. I always pie. look We've beyond the experiential. <laughs> I'm not even sure that's a word. Experiential? Is it? Yeah. Sounds made up. No, it's the... I mean, it's the adjectival form of experience. Adjectival also that sounds made that up. That seems less... I, I you can't just make I, up more words I've done an enti- to justify your made up words. Enti- I've done an entire unit of Montessori study on grammar. Uh, that sounds very... like nonsensicality to me. No, no, we've got the best words in America, <laughs> and I had never heard that one. America we've is... got the best words in America. Uh, <laughs> American English, that's apparently a thing. Not just a sitting on Microsoft Word. <laughs> oh, well, so talking about English, American English, I snapped this picture yesterday okay. at a uh, venue that we all might be familiar with. Princess Park Bowls Club. Oh yeah. I can't parse that. What is what is rude? What is rude booty supposed to mean? <laughs> rude beauty. I think it's supposed beauty. to be beauty. Beauty. Yeah. Beauty. Yeah. Like, beauty. Like you beauty. Like you beauty. For, for oh, well, I get the joke. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that will be a North, that will be a North Melbourne supporter. I'd say so. Um, Why is probably. that in the Bowls Club? Well, because we had a big function there, I presume it was somebody's birthday, uh, and the person in question. Do you have the was North a, Melbourne best and fairest? Like, what's going on? I there? very much doubt that. <laughs> I mean, it might have been like the North Melbourne, like, suburban football club. <laughs> Alright. But even then, they're affiliated, aren't they? I have no idea. Mm. Rude Beauty. They would have a, they would have a... I just reckon it's a big North Melbourne football club. I'd say so. That sounds about right. I take, I take offense at the spelling. I don't know how you get beauty well, out of B-E-W-T-Y. You've got to have a fair grasp of uh, slang to understand that beauty means... Beauty. We'll, we'll put the photo up on there. Uh, yeah, on the I, that. I just don't like take, the spelling. Take a few cheeky snaps. Bowls chat. <laughs> I get closer and closer to the microphone every time we do that. Rattle it out. So yesterday, Eric and I made our way out towards very close to the horse torture festival venue. Were you at the the primary horse torture? Festival yesterday? Yes. Yeah, right. So we were we were in close proximity to each other. We were oh, at yeah. Rooney Valley Bowls Club just down the road. And uh, as you you may be aware, Kieran, Princess Park not had the most successful of seasons thus far. I'm actually thus not far. not aware. We have not won a game. Uh, up until Fair. round three. Technically true. We've been going through a bit of a Carlton-esque rebuild. 
the pieces are in place. And the pieces are in place. And yesterday, we went out to Mooney Valley and managed to notch up our first win. Okay, that's good effort. Exactly. It came out well. Big props to Cal. Uh, I think he's being modest in his initial initial summary there, but it was really him that truly dragged us over the line by I, skipping. What my, was the margin on your my rink? Yeah, we we were we did we did exceptionally well. We dropped seven shots in the first three ends, so we were seven nil down, and we met, won the rest of the game. Well, next eighteen ends, we won twenty nine to four. So, 23, turn, 23 shot turnaround. It's a good effort. We did win the, and we won the game overall by six shots. So we, we managed to carry the team, which was to go to the side, which is very exciting. Mostly on the on the back of Sam. Sam's bowls yesterday really? were exceptional. Were exceptional. So that was good. It was a, it was a nice day out, even though the weather was truly appalling. It was a foul day out. Gusty winds, battering rain, coming in sideways. Not a lot of cover in the way that you would hope a Bulls club would provide at Moody Valley. Uh, no. Lovely side, friendly people, but yeah. I mean, we the were... race courses are dumb, so it wouldn't surprise me if the Bulls club uh, was dumb as well. It was alright. It's, yeah. it's not my, my favourite Bulls club. I'm not going to gotta... stop short of saying dumb. Now, before we get too far along, I guess I should. Uh, I should. I've got some results to unveil. Yeah, so so ardent listeners, all 17 of you, and that probably includes a few of us as well, yeah. of the Variable Account will know that last last episode we had a tipping contest yeah. that included the AFL Grand Final and then a few other random results. I call it the David Mitchell. David Mitchell tipping competition because as, okay. as, uh, as David Mitchell points out in one of his sketches all sporting results presumably matter to somebody somewhere and that's that that is true so and, I, and so we turn if I remember rightly we turned this into a Resh's challenge yes so the, the winner of this Resh's challenge gets to watch the two losers the two losers the yeah. two losers consume a uh, Resh's a disgusting warm rushes, which which we don't obviously have today because we're in a licensed venue. Although, Callum, you were very keen to bring them along anyway. I was. And skull them in the car park. Hey. <laughs> a disgraceful idea. <laughs> which I supported. Vetoed immediately. Wow. Eric, Eric loves no, it. If we can't record the disgusting rushes being necked, that's not a forfeit. So next episode will be at my house. It's going to be an absolute cracker, by the way. Because I'm hoping to get a hold of the latest release of Garage Project's Triple Day of the Dead. Nice. Mexican Halloween, as they incorrectly call it. Deos de las Muertes, or something like that. And we're going to do a side-by-side comparison with a bottle that I've had for five years. Very exciting. So the next episode will definitely be at my house. And we will also... And we will do the forfeit for this challenge at that point. But the results... And I will have a fresh... And I will have a fresh... A fresh tippy. Hey, I thought okay. didn't, want, didn't want to leave the results too late because obviously these things stale quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so we had one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six sporting contests. contests yeah. One of which was highly controversial, according to Kieran. We disgraceful. The first contest was obviously the, the we were the day before the AFL grand final. AFL grand final. So we. We tipped the grand final, and Eric and Big Dog went with the prevailing wins. They went with Richmond. Richmond, which was obviously correct. Yeah, it was a pretty good, pretty good punt actually in the end because yep. GWS were ordinary. They were, despite the big, big sound. Oh, despite the big, big gosh! So despite, was... despite GWS winning the grand final as an event, they absolutely flopped in the actual football match. Yep. <laughs> the, big, so... the big, big sound was reduced to something of a whimper. Definitely. So the sec- uh, so that was one one zip to Eric and Eric and Big Dog. So this point down already. The second, I like it. I took the outsider. I was happy with that. The second contest was a little bit controversial, but I liked it. Yeah. The second contest was part of the World Cup, which we won't we won't talk any more about. Let's, after let's we've not dis- let's after not talk about the this. World Cup. Was should ban all World Cups. Ireland versus Russia, which was a disgraceful event to pick. Oh, I can I don't know that much about rugby, so I just no. I just picked based on what the internet told me. Well, and it told me this was going to be a fairly close contest, so I no, it didn't. You misinterpreted the internet. 
That's what the internet told me. That's okay though, because if you're listening out there, kids, the internet can't tell you everything. Or just read a betting site correctly. <laughs> anyway, this is my competition, so I get to be in charge of it. <laughs> that's why, that's why, if I remember rightly, I said we had to also stipulate, uh, stipulate a margin. We did, we because did. Because so we picked a team that was obviously going to beat the other team. Even though Eric picked Russia. Eric picked Russia. To beat Ireland. single try. I'm still confident that Russia's going to win this Are you still thing. confident? Yeah, I, I'll put money on it right um, now that Russia won this. Even <laughs> I don't think the betting markets are still open. Ireland... Okay. Um, no, I need money. I'll take that bet. <laughs> Ireland... Uh, you, you tipped Ireland by 42, my yes. favorite number, which I appreciated. And I think Big Dog were, Big Dog thought it was going to be an absolute blowout, and he tipped them by over 50. Yeah. The result was not look not as lopsided as you or Big Dog predicted, but it was still fairly fairly one-sided. The, the result was 35 nil to to Ireland, yeah, which is well, a decent. Yeah, I hate to hear that. That's, that's, a, decent, that's a pump. Yeah. So that is a, that is a point to Kieran. The point to Kieran. Back in the game. He's back in the game. So that is one point all. Yes. Then the next game was... I thought I'd get a bit of American flavour, so I threw in an NFL game. American flavour. The Chicago Bears were playing the Vikings and... Minnesota Vikings. You went for the home team, Kieran. I went for the home team. I don't recall... I don't recall who was the home team. It was Chicago. Chicago. Okay, Eric, so I picked Chicago. Also... Hates the Vikings despite being from yeah, Minnesota, and so weird, but that's he fine. went for also Chicago, and Big Dog went with the Vikings. Vikings and probably the better side, but I probably the better side, but they yeah. weren't on the day. No, no okay, they took away nope. the biscuits. So that was Home team advantage. Yourself and Eric were on two points to one. <laughs> uh, right, the third back game. I'm back in this. Was esoteric Russian hockey round Good gravy, which was Traktor. I'd forgotten the name of the town, which was uh, which was a team based out of a tractor factory in Russia, versus <laughs> Snow Leopard Buddies something or other from Kazakhstan. I assume Big I Dog the snow chose them, chose the Snow Leopard team purely based on the fact that they were from Kazakhstan. Yeah. And I think Eric and, and, and you chose purely based on the fact that they were from Russia and a slightly larger, so. more dominant okay. country. So you should have gone. You should have oh. gone with the underdogs there, boys. Because I'm surprised I didn't go to the Snow Leopard. The Snow Leopard buddies took home in a fairly convincing. I think that was a fairly convincing victory. So that squares the results again. Wow. At uh, two all. Two, two all. Um, my last two were completely esoteric. I, I I went sort of more and more niche, and we had. Uh, the Scottish Mohawk, yep. Peter Wright, the, with the orange Mohawk, oh, the Denson of Darts. This is Darts, yeah. Uh, against Daryl da, da, Gurney from, uh, yeah. from Ireland, and Kieran decided that to go down, double down on the Irish. Double down on the Irish. Went with, went with Gurney. Eric also uh, liked the Gurney. I think he was ranked slightly higher, and that was, that was the basis of yours. And Big Dog Sounds about right. Peter Wright. Gurney took home the bacon. Yay! So that is points to us. Points to you two. Yeah, boy. So on the last round, we have. It's gonna be fucking great if Big Dog has his neckerishes. <laughs> That's just gonna be so punishing. So punishing. So I think the scores at that point were you and Big Dog neck and neck, and and Eric one point behind. All right. Yep. Just. Um. And the final round was uh, eSports. And I'm oh, glad I, yeah. I put this in there because you were, you were again outraged about this. Which one? The eSports. Oh, eSports. Yes, not sports. That's However, fine. we did need a tiebreaker. We did need a tiebreaker. Sounds like it. Because... I think I went with the Chinese uh, team. You and... At this point... No, hang on. At this point, you had three points. Yeah. No, actually, Eric had three points, and Big Dog also had three points. So did we all have three points? Yeah. Dang. Ah, right. So we needed a tiebreaker. Sorry, and Big Dog had two points. Big Dog had two points. So we needed a tiebreaker between you and Eric. Okay. Big Dog's out. Big Dog's out. For the victory. Yeah. But he might he might not... If Eric, if you beat Eric here, he, he might not need to actually neck a bottle of rations. It's, it's basically down to... Um, 
Can Eric knock you tie with you for top spot and push out relegate Eric uh, relegate Big Dog into the rushes, or does um, and thankfully you went for China yeah because you were feeling very particularly anti England at the time yeah and, and that sentiment has remained it has remained very strong we're not reliable. Big Dog also thought that the English couldn't do anything right at this time. Yeah. Which was bizarre from him. And Eric went with England. And oh, yeah. And we had a little drum roll here. The results was Team Royal Never Give Up, the Chinese team, took home the bacon. Yeah. Eric, the winner of the inaugural, David Mitchell. Sorry, Kieran. Yeah, the there we go. The winner of the inaugural David Mitchell yes. tipping challenge. Tipping challenge. Meaning that... Eric the Cox. I get the... And Big Dog get to now a delicious, delicious Rush's Pills. Graceful room Yeah, You get to shout at you, Sam. That's why we do it. Well, I've got a Rush's Challenge for anyone today because we, uh, we are away from yep. home or uh, an away match today, but i got an absolute ripper next one. Oh, I'm, so, oh, I'm already baby. so excited about it. i got a challenge for Cal. Excellent. And it's gonna be a fucking belter. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. Would you say that you're looking forward to watching me drink a disgusting room temperature rest's pills? Honestly, I think you'll you'll probably get it. I think really? you'll win the challenge. But I'm Is, so I'm so excited by the setup of the challenge that I'm almost prepared to forego the like that's I think a rest's challenge should always be 50-50. I can't be bothered talking about the rugby, to be honest, but um, are you upset at the All Blacks? Because they played appalling football last they night. They played bad last night. Played what? Their passing was a I've got a bone to pick with the third and fourth place playoff match. How so? You don't need it and no one wants it. So why well, have that's it? That's probably true. Once you get knocked out of a tournament... <laughs> having said that... You should be able to have a few beers, get on your flight and go home. I guess that's probably true. Yeah. I guess the idea true. of a third and fourth playoff... You've been knocked out of the tournament. Your hopes and dreams of winning the tournament have been crushed. Yeah. Then they expect you to stay in the country for a week next to all the hoopla and nonsense that surrounds the, the final, winners, which they yeah. are not in. Then you have to play an absolutely nothing match, which conceivably could be against South Africa, who we already play three times a year anyway. Have yeah. already played once in this tournament. Yeah. And that's like this... You give your body on the line. It's a physical game when you play rugby, and you're, especially if you're in the four pack. Yeah. You absolutely brutalise your body for 80 minutes. Yeah. And then for your team not to win, it's just there's no point in having the third and fourth place playoff. It's a waste of time. Well, no one wants it. Get rid of it. Look, I'm going to offer this because you know what? I feel like Big Dog should be punished for not rocking up to this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to give you the opportunity, the two of you right now, to get a leg up in the next David Mitchell challenge. I am going to ask you for a, for a bonus point he in the next round. Okay. So he will start from behind. Okay. If you, right now, we've got three remaining contenders in the um, in the in the World Cup. Yeah. If one of you can correctly tip who is going to win the Rugby World Cup have a bonus point in the next David Mitchell challenge. So they, to Eric, just in case you haven't been following it, this evening South Africa is going to be facing off against Wales who are in exceptionally good form. Okay. Wales have looked really good this tournament and I'm hoping they're going to win because a very good friend of ours, Katie, is a passionate, passionate rugby player and also Welsh. And also Wales is fucking great. Uh, so if and then they will be facing off against England, who I desperately hope lose. Yeah. I'm hoping that it's fuck em. I'm hoping that it's Wales, England, and then Wales just pits England this evening. They are playing at 8 p.m. Oh. If you'd like to, if you'd like to, you may avail yourself of a bonus point and put yourself just that inch ahead. It is one out of three. There are yeah. three remaining teams, so it's not a yeah. Kieran, would you like to take a stab? Saffers. You go on the sat, the yep. dirty sat. That must pain you as a... No. no? Southern Hemisphere dominance. Okay. It's the most important thing that we need to preserve here. Because <laughs> uh, okay. the okay. Northern Hemisphere teams just... All they wank on about is how crap Super Rugby is and how it's not real rugby. And they like playing this dour, defensive style. And yes, oh, it worked last night. Yesterday's and game was awful. Yeah, to watch. and every every game will be awful to watch. But if you if you're 
like the 2007 grand final was the Sappers and the England playing one of the worst rugby finals of all time. Mm. I'm, I'm picking a repeat of that. I, uh, thoughts, yeah, please. I'm still feeling really good about Russia, so... Uh, <laughs> Amazing. You well, can't I, tip Russia. Okay. I'm not going to allow you to tip Russia. Uh, how about the... the but uh, also beautiful for you. The, the Welsh... I, uh, I like the feel of that. I like... Okay, I'm going to go with Wales. I'm going to go with Wales. Okay. Cal, Cal uh, had a little twinkle in his eye when he said they were in top form, so I feel like that is... Form means nothing. Oh, let's, let's get that out of the way. Form is irrelevant in knockout yeah. rugby. I like that we've got a... I think, Who can grind I like uh, also that no one has tipped the team that is already in the final. That's great. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so it, it could be... Big Dog could just... He could not pop anything from this, but... Fair. There you go, Big Dog. That's your natural consequence. The staggered of England can play that sort of intense. They can't do it. They can't. You can't play that sort of game two weeks in a row. We were um, chatting earlier, Eric, about before Callum arrived about the potential of doing some um, hiking, or as we say in New Zealand, tramping. 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 For reasons that I don't know the answer to. Mm. Um, but I, we were talking about um, going for some, some some hikes in these sort of outer Melbourne area. Cool. Exactly. And, and we were sort of, um, I, I broached the, a, a bit of a philosophy that I've developed over the last few years, which I thought might be nice to have a bit of a delve into. Oh, of course. Which is my, my and I, I don't, I, I must admit, I don't apply myself that well to it currently. Yeah. But I came up with this idea of being on holiday all the time. And it was an observation wow. that we we do things and we have behaviours on holiday that we don't have in regular life. Okay. And so I came up with this idea, this philosophy that I'm sort of slowly working on and developing. I like that. Yeah. Which is to be on holiday all the time. Tell us more. All you have to do is start doing some of the things you do on holiday, but do them all the time. So it's things like... Eat a buffet breakfast. <laughs> yes. yes. Read a book before you go to bed. Yes. Yeah, nice. Be a bit more friendly to everyone. Because you're friendly because you're on holiday. That's true. <laughs> friendly locals. And now I'm going to add in going for hikes and, and walks. Yeah, nice. And, and general nature rambles into that philosophy. Ah, yeah. And that's, that's really all there is to it. I'll be in Perth in a few months, doing some time doing in the IKEA show. Spend some time in Kings Park on holiday. Well, I probably will. I yeah. probably will spend some time in Kings Park on that, holiday. That lookout over the whole city. The lookout's oh, very good. Man, so yeah. nice. And there's all those gorgeous walking paths, like elevated platforms through Native Bush. Yeah, nice stuff. Have you been to Perth, Eric? I have. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was able to go over there with a local and see the sights. It was a blast. Sick. It was a nice. It was a nice change of pace for Melbourne, I'll say. Yeah. As, uh, as somebody that had no no good conception of what Melbourne was going to be when I got dropped in, I was surprised how not potently Australian it felt. Perth, to me, felt potently Australian. Yeah. Yeah. The Sandgropers, they are... Uh, enjoy, enjoy groping some sand. They're also pretty old. <laughs> yeah. They've got their own thing going over in West Australia. They, it's a long way away. Well, it's yeah. a long way away. Yeah. They've kind of ruined Test cricket in Western Australia forever. Well, have you been to the Wacker? Because I have. It's a dump. It is a dump. The Wacker's a dump. It is a dump. Yeah. It is a dump. However, it's a dump with genuine interest for Test cricket. Whereas the the um, Perth Perth Stadium, Perth Stadium, Perth Stadium. Yeah. I honestly, I couldn't give a shit about Test cricket at that at that at that because it's another fuck off boring drop in pitch. Just how, how could you go from one of the most one of the most threatening, menacing? It is the epitome of an Australian pitch. I don't know. The, the year I went there to watch New Zealand versus Australia, the pitch was flat and boring. So it doesn't always oh, break up. So, so many times, though. So many times. It's a part of history. Yeah. There must be a way to drop in a pitch that can break up the same way as the old wacky yeah. pitches. Wait. I don't know how drop-in pitch technology works, but I would imagine... Because that would be ideal. There must be a way to produce a I mean, similar... Also, pitch. like, surely... Surely, Cricket Australia, and I presume they would be in charge of 
making those things happen. Surely they would want menacing, menacing pictures. It's not that far from the Wacker to the Optus Stadium. Yeah. But I don't know how you, I don't know how drop I don't have no idea how the drop pitch technology works. I don't know where they make the pitches. I don't know how they transport them. They're, they're, I mean, it's amazing. I think right? they're usually made out the back. Really? And they just like cart them in, but Some the whack is not that far. How thick do you think they are? I think they're about half a meter. Wow, really? That's a lot of man. That's a lot. That that's, that'd be like tons of. I don't know how they get them into the ground. I, I have no idea. No conception so of how a it spatula, works. a spatula perhaps to the person purely based on intellect who figured out how to transport an entire cricket wicket into a stadium, but also a bone for what that has done to cricket in general. Yeah, the, the next challenge for drop-in pitch technology is to make the pitches interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> drop-in pitches are always terrible, and part of what makes cricket unique is how the pitch plays. Correct. We don't have that problem in New Zealand. You guys have got great pitches. Well, we don't have... It's because we don't have multi-purpose stadiums. That's a lie. We do. Um, but we do have... We do have uh, dedicated cricket venues, such as Hagley Oval and Christchurch. Yeah. Mm. Which that was a drop-in pitch until the earthquake buggered the stadium, and they revamped Hagley Oval into a well, didn't revamp it. It already was a standalone cricket venue, but that's known for being a fairly dull pitch as well. So, you know, pitches are a bit of a lottery. Eric looks utterly bored well, to tears so listening to this cricket no, I'm pitch fa- chat. I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm a- cricket pitch chat. Cricket pitch chat. Because the, the Wacker pitch was famous for breaking up, getting dry and hard and bouncing away yeah, base of the sun. Just being God, absolutely yeah. baked. But you can't do that with um, with a pitch that doesn't have a, a root system that's spreading out across the whole field. Right? That makes sense. Yeah. It's like a, a good analogy I think would be those uh, cactuses, those cacti that have they grow rhizomatically so they go into the ground and then they grow along and then they pop back up but it's actually the one plant so they have I think big fields the largest the largest plant in the world technically is a, is a cacti um, there's a cactus that lives somewhere in the states sounds about right and it's, it covers like two it covers like two square kilometers or something technically it's the same plant because it's all connected up in this lattice of, of roots of rhizomatic roots uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that cricket pitches work the same. Just based on, I, I don't actually, I don't know this, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that, and because of the drop-in pitch would need to be its own standalone bit of grass, I think that it would need to potentially be a different setup of substrate. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's all of that stuff. All of those, all of those things. I'd say, I'd say keeping, keeping the block together yeah. To get it in the ground would be would hard. Would, would, uh, would need to be. That would also be, yeah, that would definitely be hard. And then to get a bit of movement, you probably compensate with extra grass, and yeah. then that wears down, and it's all, you know, it's all fairly boring. Boring test cricket, yay! <laughs> boring test cricket. You mentioned uh, cactuses, or, or cacti. Cacti. I prefer cactuses. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of cactuses um, along the side of the train tracks. Next to uh, Kensington Station. Yeah, true. And I was looking out the window at the cactuses the other day, and I saw like three or four chickens. What? Oh, just next to the train tracks, just hanging out. (laughs) So, like, my question is: Are there wild chickens in Melbourne? I because they were just free roaming on the side of the train tracks. (laughs) Look, I doubt it because I think that. Where did the I'd chickens say come that, from? I'd say they probably, I'd say they probably go in at night. Go in where? To it's train tracks. Where they live. There's nothing there. What do you mean? Well, the houses like, around, surely. No, but the houses are up on a, on a bank. Oh. So when you go out of Kensington into the city, yeah. the street that's on the other side rises. So you've got a big bank. Out of Kensington. It's a graffiti-covered wall. Out of Kensington into the There's no secret chicken hutches. Surely they can just cross the train tracks. Into what? That's like a big factory thing. Very interesting. I don't know. I, look, my... Why did the chicken cross the tracks? 
to get home safe away from the fox. That still <laughs> seems unlikely. There are lots of foxes in metropolitan Melbourne. There are I, lots I, of foxes. I feel like they would not be alive very quickly. Where do the chickens come from? And why are they there? Well, they come from the egg. <laughs> let's not... Should we uh, get more beer? Yeah, let's get more beer. Well, I will... Do you want me to go and do that? Maybe go and do that. Right. I think they... I don't know if they do tables. I don't know how it works. On the chicken topic, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where the chickens have come from, but I'm fascinated to know, and I'm going to do I, my I'm, research. Yeah, I'll, find, I'll try and find out. I'm happy to ride the trains back and forth searching for these chickens, but the other news that came up in this last week is that Metro Trains, in an official capacity, have deployed goats. What? Metro Trains have deployed goats near Belgrave Station to eat the plants and weeds along the track. <laughs> Because I guess it's so inaccessible or steep or difficult to maintain wow. that uh, humans, uh, human groundkeepers, should we read there? A herd of hungry goats will be deployed along Melbourne's train network to eat tough to reach weeds, berries, and foliage ahead of the bushfire season. Metro Trans has hired. <laughs> <laughs> hired six goats from an innovative grazing firm and the animals will be initially used around Great, uh, Belgrave Station. Well, that sounds, that sounds like the most ridiculous made-up story I think I've heard in a long time. No, I, th it's, it's just a, I think it's a, just a big initiative out of Metro Trains and the chickens are there to keep down the excess. There's got to be extra so seeds and grains alongside the track and they've deployed the chickens to eat the, so the, the, uh, the chicken feed that has... I'm going to try and get I'm going to try and get a picture of the Kensington <laughs> chickens but maybe if we go out for a hike out Belgrave yeah. way we should try and find out when these fucking goats are going to be deployed <laughs> get a picture of the, um, the Belgrave mountain goats exactly right mountain goats another brewery who we probably shouldn't be spruiking in fact I know I'm about to be let out by security yeah. <laughs> for mentioning another brewery and the cheese stands alone this is Eric Chat uh, we've got uh... welcome to the Eric Cox hour <laughs> Here's a list of all the things that is wrong with Australia compared, <laughs> compared to the great, the great country of the United States of America. Have you got any things, Eric, that are wrong with Australia, just off the top of your head, that aren't too offensive, that are wrong with Australia? No, really, I'm trying to think of big issues, and it's, 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 you guys have got things pretty well figured, or I should say, yeah, you're another expat. I'm another and, expat. Uh, these yeah. guys have things pretty well figured out here. You know, it's just... I would say Australia's complete and utter lack of soul technology. Yeah, that's fair. Australia is a giant solar panel. Australia could be... A, like, you know, why is Australia not running off solar power? It's unfathomable. The whole country is barren, desolate, and covered in sunshine. Uh, I just don't know... Yeah, without getting too political, I don't know how you don't look at your resources and go, do you know what we've got as a giant resource? The sun. New Zealand... Um, has been into renewable energy for a while. Uh, in particular, I don't know what you call it, I guess water energy? Mm. Or using water, hydro, hydroelectric energy. And there's a lake in New Zealand called Lake Manapori. Okay, uh, okay. Which has, I don't know how long that station's been there, but they've got a, um, they've got a hydroelectric station, like, like underneath a lake. No way. And you can go and do tours of it. I remember when I was like 15 or 16, going down to, down to South Island, and do a, do a tour of the Lake Manapori power station. And it kind of looked like something out of an early Connery Bond set. Ah, uh, yeah. Like you go down to this underground, you have to go down this long tunnel in the bus, and then halfway down the tunnel there's like a turning circle where all the buses turn around, and you can do a tour. I like it. Of the James Bond era. <laughs> Everything's kind of pastel green. Tell me. There's oh, lots yeah, of blinking it's lights. Yeah. It's got a real Connery vibe to I want it. big terminals. Yeah, I want kind of like little caverns converted to industrial yeah. spaces. That's oh, that's a classic. Oh, my God. Lake Manapori in New Zealand. I assume it's still going. Bit of hydroelectric energy. Well done. Because as we all know, the sun doesn't really shine that much in New Zealand. No, exactly. It doesn't. Uh, lots of clouds. Land of the long white clouds. Not land of the long white sunshine. Speaking of sunshine, here we go. We are indoors. We're in a shipping container, but just peeking out the doorway. Some yeah. of these skylights that Moondog has set up, it's really catching some lovely afternoon sun here in Preston. Yeah, they've got a lagoon. Um, which is a lovely sort of uh, uh, aqua blue colour. And you're right, a lot of the roof panels are sort of um, 
see-through. So we are getting, we are getting, there's a lovely natural light here in here in Dog Press. We, yeah, we, we kind of skim past the venue, but it does come together well. They've got some fairy lights up across the bars on the ceiling, the rafters on the ceiling. It is lush, or at least on its way it's to very cool. being lush. Yeah. Plants everywhere, and kind of for a place that's opened a month ago, it's, it's looking great. pretty well set it's up. It's a bloody great effort, Moon Dog World. Bloody great effort. Up. Two thumbs up. I think you're right. This, this is a great daytime venue. It's also going to be a great nighttime venue. Oh, yeah. That makes it a great venue more or less the whole time. <laughs> All year round. going to be a good venue. They've got their bases covered. As a guy that came from the U.S. Okay, I do have a bone to pick with Australia. The bars are okay. too well lit. Uh, they have too many windows. They're beautiful spaces for beautiful people, and coming from the Midwest of the United States, I want a bar that's low dingy. slung, dingy, no windows, lit entirely by neon beer signs, and that's where I want to sit and drink and hunch over my pint glass and yeah. be done with it. Yeah, you we don't do bar, dive bars very well. No, you go into Australia, they're huge windows, I don't know, high-end fittings, beautiful people here and there. It's, it's, it's kind of putting me off. And one thing that I did like about the original Moondog, Moondog OG, is that it had a darkness, a griminess, a dankness in that old Amsterdam warehouse. So it's still there, Moondog original. Still that's there. very true. Different, different locations for different moods, for different vibes. As it stands, I'm very happy I'm here. But the majority of the days, Thank you. I think I'll be in Amsterdam. I've just noticed, Eric, that there is a yes. a broken corn chip on the seat next to you. Yes, there is a there is a. Uh, Eric's right been squirreling away. Right in the middle of my right in the middle of one of my thoughts, I put my hands down like the, the outside <laughs> of my thighs, and I thought, "What the heck is that?" And there's a fully formed corn chip that I've been sitting on the entire podcast. Yeah. Nobody at the table <laughs> has had corn chips. No, and those are previously we, issued corn chips. When we saw the group before us, and it didn't look like they had corn chips either, unless I came in stuck to the back of my pants today. <laughs> just just BYO corn chips. Oh my god. BYO rashes. BYO corn chips. <laughs> This is creaming soda. So this is the, yeah. um, what's the name of this beer? Uh, tell them he's creaming. Tell him he's creaming. So, creaming so soda mid-strength. Creaming soda mid-strength. You sent this beer, you sent the name of this beer, Eric, to an American friend, and they didn't know, obviously they did not know the reference they to the castle. I'd right? immediately gotten a response back. Because tell him he's does, creaming does mean something else if you don't know does what the office, uh, the castle means. Mean something different in Australia. Yeah, the answer so is yes. And yeah. Had I not been exposed to the so, castle, I never would have. Uh, never but you have seen the castle. I have, and I, I thought it was lovely. And it's one of those movies that one watch, it gets in your head. You get the big takeaways. And, Absolutely. Um, Apparently, they they've just sold the property, but the, oh. they knocked the house down. Really? really? Well, so I read that literally yesterday. That the property that the house was on uh, got sold the other day. There's, there's another house on it. And what's the what did it go for? Six hundred thousand. Jeez. Six hundred thousand. Big question. I mean, there's so many opportunities for there's so many opportunities for references. So here's one for you, Kieran. Okay. Here's one for you. We'll make this the last business, I reckon. Yeah. Last act. Um. Look, here's one for me. Greta Thunberg has famously okay. taken a ship to get to her UN address in, in New York yeah. and it took rather a long time and then she had to fly a whole bunch of people around the world to clean up after her but that's fine sure she made a point she made a statement symbolic gestures symbolic gesture didn't actually save any carbon emissions no no like, much like like many but however within the grand scheme of carbon emissions that are going on in the in the, in the, in the uh, worldwide airline industry probably not that significant no um so, do you think, Karen, with the prevailing winds of people in Western countries' attitudes towards carbon emissions changing, do you think that it is feasible to maintain a carbon fuel-based jet industry? And if so, for how long? I'm just talking purely from economic perspective because obviously that's a the big, price um, of jet fuel is going to skyrocket if you're part in the bun. It's a big topic to two, <laughs> two minutes to go on the recording. But um, I'm interested because you love planes and you also know quite a lot about them. Yes, of course. 
The answer is absolutely yes. Planes are becoming more fuel efficient. Fuel is becoming, I don't know, more scarce. Yeah, but there's biofuels being invented and it's really only a matter of time before the technology comes to, to pass that you'll be able to manufacture biofuel properly. So you think that the, 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 the solution is creating what the E10 additive, like the E10 ethanol type additives that they put into petrol these days, or, or they've the already been jet They've things. already been experimenting with that stuff. Right. Does, Planes are already more fuel efficient. Does it work? They're more aerodynamic. Does it work purely based on... They're also smaller, eh? What? Uh, does it work purely based on... Based on the biofuel? Can you actually get a plane in the air just with... I don't know, biofuel? That's a good question. Probably. So we'll it's all, the internet, it's all technology. technology. I'm genuinely interested, though. Air travel is one of those things. It's never going to go away. It was such a huge leap forward in connecting the world. And I say that as a guy that occasionally flies back to the U.S. and does have a significant amount of flight guilt yeah. just because of how my, how many emissions it generates. If you've got but no other like, option, I don't yeah. think you should have any guilt. I feel like you're never... That's why I think there should be a high-speed railway between Sydney and Melbourne. Sydney and exactly. Melbourne. The Sydney to Melbourne air route is the second busiest air route for, yeah, for passenger world. numbers daily in the world. Yeah. That's insane. And it's absurd that we have a shitty, slow, old train that trundles through Broadmeadow Station at 8 o'clock in the morning. It takes yeah. 11 hours to get to Sydney. There should be high-speed rail between Sydney and Melbourne. Get there in an hour, boom. You know, and you make Qantas and Virgin and Tiger pay for it yeah. and own it, and then they don't lose profits. Yeah, well, that's nice. That's not a bad idea at all. I'd pop up in Sydney on the train. How good would that be? It'd be great. Yeah. If you could go from Southern Cross oh. to Sydney Central in three or four hours, I'd, you'd prefer to do that than take That'd a... That'd be lovely. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. Muck around with all security. Um, I think we can fly less, but the population's growing. Flying's never going to go away. Okay. Probably needs to become more of an essential thing. Yeah. Can this route be done any other way? If the answer is rail, build a fucking train. Because I know that... Build the fucking train. In Europe, a lot of the short-haul stuff is actually closing down because of the backlash against short-haul stuff within Europe. Like, all those, all those low-cost, yeah. super-budget carriers that were just doing little mini 45-minute flights between European capitals, that's starting to really wind back. It needs to be an essential service. Yeah. Flying needs to be an essential service. At the moment, flying's responsible for 2% of the world's carbon emissions. With the growth of the world, that's obviously going to grow, mm. but you'd hope that advances in technology will hopefully counter that. Um, but yeah, flight shaming's an interesting one. I feel like in Europe, where yeah. the train networks are excellent, they are that's amazing. Fair. Yeah. Here, how else do you get anywhere? The only way you can get to Adelaide is via an overnight coach or a very, very expensive train. Yeah. Very expensive. Bite the bullet, build some fucking trains. Yeah. Every country should be building trains. Trains! Uh, trains are great. You're right, I do love planes because I think they're amazing. I don't really love plane travel. No, who could? It's a, it's a necessity. No one does it for fun. I, I don't mind, you know what, I don't mind long-haul plane rides, it's the one-hour plane rides. They're just, because you, you're, you're packing like an hour and a half either, an hour yeah. and a half, two oh, hours, just to, yeah. get a, just to get a one-hour. Out to the airport, through. If you're through, on a train, uh, we've amazing. been to Japan, you and I. Eric, you've been to Japan? I have been to Japan. I've been on you know, trains. bullet trains. So good. They're great. They're such a nice way to travel, they're amazing. And yes, you're going to have to spend a shitload of money for infrastructure. But think of it as a 100-year project. Get it done. Australia should be connected by train. So That's all there is. wide open space. So should America. You heard it first. So should America. You heard it first. The network. There are some American high-speed rail projects going ahead, but it's, it's not a national network. It's like Houston to Dallas. They're putting in a high-speed rail. Japanese technology. It's hard. It's hard. The rail corridors are there. They're tied up with freights and uh, low-quality infrastructure in the U.S. that yeah. you couldn't run a bullet train on. And once I think uh, we figure out how to wrestle that away from the big freighters, the uh, 
Canadian Pacifics and, and such. Serious. Towards public good. Yeah. Serious rail knowledge there from you, Eric. Unsurprising well, as the as the as both an American and train. a rail connoisseur. Yeah, yeah, I got hit with that quiz last week and I aced it. Yeah. And, uh, steam coming out of Kieran's ears when I was answering those questions right, watching him down that rushers. Uh, an update on that topic, I still have not heard back from Mentor Trains. Uh, so I don't know. Eric, have an update every episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you thought about jumping ship to the smaller trains, aka trams? I have thought about that. Oh, actually. you'd be an amazing. I reckon tram you, you'd get on. You'd probably get on to. You'd probably get in a tram quicker than you get on the train. Since I've since I've come to Melbourne, yeah, you're exactly right. Since I've come to Melbourne, I've had a surprising number of connections at parties with people who work for Yarra Trams and work for Metro Trains. Mm, I know. Do it. Everybody has okay, not the guy I was thinking of. Before. Nothing but positive things to say about working for both of them. Well, aside from. The driver said, the train driver said she liked her job as a train driver. The tram mechanics have said they like their jobs as tram mechanics. Maybe that, becomes, maybe that comes from the strong union background that they can, they feel represented yeah. at work, and so maybe that's an angle of it. But uh, It's also when you drive a train, you're separated from the passengers. Whereas yeah. when you drive a tram, you get people going, Excuse me, does this go to Chapel Street? You're like, no, madam. We're on the 57. We're in West Maribyrnong. <laughs> You're hopelessly lost, madam. You're also drunk. Get off the tram. Yeah. Um, I prefer a train for that reason, because I don't like people. My one other reservation about being a train driver is, is of course, that that uh, amazing masterpiece of Australian, ci- of Australian cinema. Have you seen Look Both Ways, Eric? <laughs> I have not. I have not seen Look Both Ways. Watch Look Both Ways. Have you seen Look Both Ways? No. It's William McGuinness and uh, Rachel Griffiths. Griffiths. I took a pun. And uh, no, not Rachel Griffiths. It's not Rachel Griffiths. Okay, but that's okay. My pun um, was wrong. And it's about it's about two people who are it's about two people who are chronic pessimists and they, they see death everywhere. And it's got a it's got a really interesting subplot with a train driver in it, and ah. you should watch it. It's amazing. It's a beautiful film. It's it's very sad. There's a lot of sadness in it, but it's also very very clever. I I rate it as one of my top five favorite Australian films. Ah, yeah. Seen the castle now. Based on obviously the premise, when you're crossing the road, you look both ways to stop yourself from getting run over by a car or a train or, or a train. train. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go do an improv gig. That'll be fun. Stay classy. Um, this has been episode, what did we say it was? 28? 28. 28. Let's say yes. Yes, um, it is. It's been a bloody ripper. Yeah. Here at Moondog World. If you haven't been out yet, come out. Definitely come it's out fun. and have a look. Get yourself some delicious Moondog beers and enjoy the lagoon. And buy yourself a plant. And buy yourself a plant if that happens least, to be a plant day. One. Yeah, yeah. The plant sale. I don't, did we talk about the plant sale? I'm not even sure we talked. About no, we it. talked about the plant okay. sale. Okay, yeah. got a bad memory. That's okay. <laughs> all right, roll out. It is impossible to keep track of all the football, but your best chance is here. Thousands and thousands of hours of football, each more climactic than the last. Constant, dizzying, 24-hour, year-long, endless football. Every kick of it massively mattering to someone, presumably. Watch it all, all here, all the time, forever. It will never stop. The football is officially going on forever. It will never be finally decided who has won the football.